Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that solves your freelance problems one at a time, quite literally because we're on episode 50 so we are officially over the halfway mark. Um, We hope you've been enjoying it so far. Um, Today we're going to talk about tough conversations. Um, As always, still 50 episodes in, I am Michelle Pratt, I'm one of your (laughs) co-hosts. I am the owner of Dive Deeper Development, a training and coaching uh, business. And I'm still Katie Carlisle. I have my own business called The Wheel Exists and I do Squarespace web design and training, which you all know by now. So if you're still with us, thank you very much. Uh, It's been lovely to have you with us and have your comments as well. Okay, so we're at the halfway point. And as I say, today we're talking about tough conversations. because we know that all freelancers have them over the last well over the, we ourselves have had these but we know over the last few weeks we've seen or heard from a few freelancers that have had some tough conversations so we thought we'd dedicate an episode to getting beneath what makes them tricky but also sharing some tips about how we can handle them in a, in a productive manner um so Katie I'm I, I mean, gonna ask you first of all like everybody has a different thing that makes a conversation difficult for them so for me a difficult conversation is not conflict a difficult conversation for me I think is when it's unspoken so if I find myself stonewalled by someone I I know that there's something going on beneath the surface but I try and bring it to the surface and the other person just won't engage with the topic that's my challenging conversation so I hate being stonewalled I know it's different for everybody else. I don't don't know what makes it, what makes it challenging for you? I think there's two main ones for me. One is when people are talking kind of cross purposes and, and, you know, and and I'm trying to understand what they're saying and make sure that it aligns with what I'm saying. But it's sometimes, I just, I just get a real kind of frustration sometimes when I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain something to somebody and they're, they're just, it's not that they're not getting it, but it's almost like they're having a different conversation. And I keep trying to bring it back to the conversation that we're supposed to be having and acknowledge what they're talking about, but be like, yeah, that, that's great. It's not what we're actually talking about though. It's not the actual problem. Um, so I think maybe when there's a difference in perception of, of possibly what the problem is and how to resolve it, and but you actually can't actually even get on the same page. I find that really challenging and the other one for me is anything where I feel unjustly not accused that's a very strong word but if there's a sort of perceived injustice where where it may be um I've done my bit of the work but then somebody else in the chain has let it down but the client's kind of frustrated with me and I'm like but it wasn't my fault but you don't want to kind of be then just kind of saying oh it was their fault or pointing fingers and so that I find those conversations really tough as well um they're, they're probably the two but I mean there's there's so many ways it can be tough like um, I mean I know we did an episode about saying no fairly early on uh where and that that's always a hard one I'm getting better at it but I think you know feeling like you're letting anybody down or or stopping a relationship with a client or something like that is tricky what about you yeah, what other ones do you have well i just see tricky you were talking there about not being on the same page as someone so sometimes you know you're in a tricky conversation like i say someone just stonewalls you they won't they're not going to engage with you at all i find that hard but then what you were talking about there was someone who's like technically in the conversation they're in the room 
but they're still not engaging with it. They're just talking about something else or they're on a different path or a different agenda. And those are tricky. I agree with you because on the surface, you're having a conversation about it. But in reality, they're not really getting into the nitty gritty of what you're trying to surface. That drives me crazy. So, yeah, that one that one does me too. Um, any Anything a bit taboo. I still have certain subjects around money, perhaps, or charging your worth, which I know we've covered in other, other uh, topics that we've done. Uh, certain situations, if it's very clear cut, I find money conversations easy. So if you're talking about volume of work, timelines of work, how much work is valued, that's quite easy. But then it's when you get that little scope creep and now you want to speak up and say, oh, actually, um, you know, I think I think I, I should be valuing myself more or asking for more because I feel like the goalposts have moved. Uh, but that hasn't been discussed yet. I find servicing that doing that quite, quite dif- difficult, I think, sometimes. Well, that's a bit like when we talked about the um, could you just that was our episode I think it's episode thirty nine where where you have that scope creep and stuff kind of sneaks in and almost trying to get past you and then it's a bit awkward to kind of have that conversation because yeah. it's almost like you don't want to be petty but yeah so I think that's something that 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 we covered in that episode as well wasn't it No, it was and that makes it hard but also in that one I think Katie as well if sometimes you know somebody. Uh, or you have a client with whom you have quite a good personal relationship and the relationship's always been very agreeable and and you value that relationship from a business point of view but you know that raising a subject is going to cause tension in the relationship or it could cause tension in the relationship because there's quite a lot at stake there and I find that that is always tricky I, I always handle it I always face it head on so I do find a way to do it but it, it's just always very uncomfortable I think um I- and I was going to ask you, Kate, what are some of the, because obviously with freelance folk, you speak to a lot of freelance folk. What are, some, what are the other ones that we've heard, I suppose, recently, or you've heard from freelancers? Yeah, I think definitely money and, you know, people ending up doing way more work than they originally agreed to do, but not getting paid for it. So that, that kind of conversation of how do you then approach that? How do you actually say, you, you need to pay me more for this work, basically? Um, is there anything where the yeah, there's like a bit of taboo I think anything where you've got any kind of conflict so like that's tough not just in freelancing but in any walk of life so if if you are if you fundamentally disagree with something that somebody else is doing then that is going to cause conflict and that's an awkward conversation to have and when to have it and when to kind of stick your head above the parapet I think is really hard and especially if it's to do with values and it's something that isn't objectively wrong but it just doesn't sit right with you Uh, I know one of our our freelance friends um he you know he used to work for a company that asked him to do something that went against his values and that was a very tough conversation for him to have to explain why it wasn't okay. Um, and so I, I think they're really difficult. Other ones that I've heard people talking about is um, anything really to do with person- personality clashes, you know, where somebody just isn't a good fit for the relationship. And that that's something that, you know, you, you it can be perfect on paper and then when you actually start working together it just you just don't gel very well together uh, and that makes every conversation quite difficult um other ones i think when oh a big one is actually when when you're having a conversation with a client and you're trying to talk about what they actually need rather than what they think they need or what they're asking for so 
I think that's one, especially at the start of projects when they'll come to you with an idea and then you have to kind of go, that's great in theory, but actually here's what you have to do. And um, I mean, I had a similar conversation like that earlier today, actually, where it was it was partly what they were asking for wasn't what they needed and partly just that that there was three people on the call, including me, and, and we all had very different approaches to achieving the same goal. And I think that can lead to a very tough conversation. Yeah. Um, not none of us were like right or wrong objectively but it was trying to sort of then get something productive out of that and not just go round in circles based on what our own individual approaches were so I think they're the, probably the main ones I've heard of yeah you're right and also sometimes Kate if you're working with another business if you're in front of their client as well and they're trying so you don't want to disagree with them in front of their client mm, and sometimes yeah. I'm involved with clients clients and that can be really tricky and sometimes when you're asked to do something which you just know won't work but they go oh well we'll just we'll just do it anyway and it's like "Mm, no if you put me in that situation in these circumstances I know it sounds like we'll just make the most of it it's just categorically not going to work um and so when you're forced into a situation where you're being asked to deliver something which you know is going to get a really bad bad result which is really awkward as well so yeah and do you know what the other one we've heard is quite often how do you how do you get rid of a client i think we have discussed that briefly on one of our other podcasts but yeah when you've someone when relationships come to an end sometimes rejecting someone or being rejected but rejecting someone else as in getting rid of a client or telling them that you've moved on or trying to suddenly move them on to another freelancer who may appreciate the work a bit more than you do that can be really tricky also so yeah being a freelancer is basically fraught with difficult conversations (laughs) yeah And I think another big one actually is is when there's a lack of clarity and then and then you kind of yeah, you're having that like that that again that kind of talking cross purposes, but not because they necessarily want to avoid the conversation and they're not engaging with it, but actually because you you've maybe like I've had this before where a client has assumed I've been given a piece of information that I have never received and they're talking to me as if as if I should know this thing and I'm like, but but wait, what? What? what and and it takes a while to kind of unpick that and and actually after a while you can realize yeah that's what's missing but it it's very tough at first I think to do that because you're like I don't understand what's going on here I don't why why would this be a problem and then and then they'll reference this message that was sent that should have been forwarded on and then I'm like oh yeah no I didn't get that so um but it's hard actually to know yeah you don't when to throw somebody under the bus and when not to that's a tough conversation as well how do you yeah, diplomatically how do you diplomatically make sure the client knows it isn't your fault if it was somebody else's fault without seeming like a bit of a dick so yeah definitely um, there's it's, there's lots of lots of really tough ones because i think because when you're freelance as well um i, I suppose if you work with an organization there might be a set structure and sometimes this is true with freelance work but with large organizations you know there's normally a, stru- a set structure and an in-house team and if it's an in-house project they'll have a project manager and they'll have a terms of reference and they'll have a project plan and everything will be very well measured and everyone will be on the same page i think sometimes when you're a freelancer it's something that expertise they've brought in so maybe they don't know and it's probably not going to be managed like an internal project so although you would apply those same standards we're not necessarily speaking the same language you're dealing with an individual freelancer and there isn't an established process or documentation always depending on the kind of work you do that is going to quantify or capture all of this stuff so it can't be all done in email it could be quite loose 
Yeah, that's true. Actually, and if you if you're working with a, a few different freelancers as opposed to an agency, and of course, there's lots of advantages of doing that. But if you worked with an agency, everything would be quite consistent. You probably have one person that was managing most of the communications for you. But even if you were dealing with lots of other people, they'd have their set way of working. Like you say, was if you're working with different freelancers, then one freelancer could have a very different way of working and having conversations and everything to another. And I think that can create friction as well, especially if, you know, if one of the freelancers is saying, yeah, I'm available 24 seven, call me whenever you want. And yeah, of course it's no problem for me to do this extra stuff. And then you're trying to sort of set boundaries or vice versa, then that can be really challenging because you're being directly compared to somebody else. Yeah, definitely. Or, or like their staff jump through hoops twenty four seven, like you say. And mm. but you're not staff; you're you're someone else, and they've got to deal with a whole different rules of engagement. So it can be quite it can be quite difficult. And and we've talked about some of those difficult conversations. You probably have d- different ones. And one of the things that's important to remember about challenging conversations is that they normally are on those sensitive subjects like time, money, personality, conflict, so on and so forth. And whenever you have a conversation. There's, there's really three three conversations taking place. So on the surface level, you've got the facts and figures. And quite often, it's it's not the details of the situation which are the problem. Because if it was, I promise something by 2pm and I get it to you by 5pm, we can communicate that. I can apologise and I can speed up or I can get it done to you. So it's not really the facts and details. If you say it's black and I say it's white, we can we can thrash it out. So it's rarely that. The second level Apart of from conversation... The dress. Oh, apart from the dress, and you know, I saw that post on Facebook the other day, and I swear to God, I, I, I scrolled down the timeline, I thought, oh, there's that gold and white dress. And I thought, hang on a minute, I thought it was blue and black the last time I saw it, and so I scrolled back up, and it looked a different colour when I scrolled back up. Whoa. And I think it's probably just the angle my phone was at, because of the light, because there was a trainer one, and my friend showed it to me under a, a big bright light, and then she showed it to me another day, and the same that everyone else saw and I saw the same as everybody else so that's a classic example of why we shouldn't <laughs> really go off on one when we th- when we think we know the facts with our we've seen the truth with our bare eyes and uh, we should be- reserve judgment so yeah the facts themselves are not always easy but it's rarely the details that the issue then underneath that there is kind of a feelings conversation a conversation about emotions so this is like the subtext and it's quite often the subtext which is the cause of the issue it's not really the, 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 the I's being dodged and the T's crossed. It's the emotions that are attached um, to this. So if there's a conflict or a challenging conversation, it's not really the conversation. It's how the conversation makes both parties feel is where it starts to get interested. Even if you don't talk about the emotions, you know, if no one's um, mentioning them, they leak. A friend of mine calls this leakage. They leak into the conversation. It sounds messy. But, um, <laughs> but you know, they just, the body language, tone of voice, silence, it all goes in. And then there is a third level of conversation that takes place. And that is kind of identity. So if you ever get down to that level, that's where things can get really testy because it's not just what are we saying. It's about how is what we're saying you know what is that saying about me so are you questioning my professionalism are you saying i'm lazy or in your case kt you saying you know the injustice bit you know you're saying i'm a bad person you're saying that i've done something wrong you know am i am i flawed is it my fault so if you ever get to something where someone makes it about them or it could be construed about that you're going to get a really challenging conversation so one of my first tips is it's not it you know don't look at the facts and the figures it's not the stuff there's probably look at the emotions that you're getting from the other person and that will probably give you some clues as to where the real problem lies um 
and so and emotions come up by their very nature because they're challenging so like i if i am found myself in a in a challenging conversation I'll, immediately afterwards if i walk out the room i get my soapbox out and i love to have a good rant i'll never rant at the client but i will just either to a friend or my partner or just to myself i will just have a i will have a rant and as soon as i let off steam i'm fine but i don't half like to just go Grr, i can't believe that they said that and, and um have a have an emotional response um kate what about what about you how do you what kind of emotional responses do you get when you're in emotion in a challenging conversation i think i think i overthink everything and so i'll kind of go to that place of oh okay well did i say the wrong thing there and did they say that did they mean that and then go to the kind of place of identity i think i probably go there quite quickly of like oh it's all my fault what have i done wrong oh no am i a terrible person oh no should i have said that and kind of go back and kind of replaying that conversation over and over and going oh no should i have done that or oh yeah i can't believe uh, that all the injustice element of like yeah i can't believe i said that and and that's not that's not true i i do a good job i'm really i'm really dedicated are they implying that i'm not and then just yeah have this kind of this sort of whirlwind of of thoughts fear some kind of fear-based emotion about how they will perceive me and how others will perceive me and and also a bit of kind of overanalyzing and wondering if if i've done the right thing is probably what i do I think I do share it with other people when it happens sometimes as well. Like I had I had an instance um probably about a year ago now where um kind of out of the blue a conversation via email this was, so not a kind of real conversation in that sense, but um it kind of soured very quickly and unexpectedly. And so I kind of went onto the freelance group and was like, um, <laughs> so this just happened. I'm slightly bemused by it and not quite sure how to deal with it. And so I think kind of reaching out for other people, to other people and asking for advice and sort of helping to get a bit of an objective look on it helps because otherwise I know I just go in my own head and I'm sort of I'm, I'm a bit of a champion arguer and so I, I love to win an argument and so if it was left to me on my own I'd have probably have been operating kind of superficially very much on that facts and figures level but the kind of motivation would be like to be to be right and to win uh, that conversation and it was so yeah in the end actually what we did with that instance was just literally to ignore it because it was just somebody having clearly a very bad day and um, there were various threats but I didn't think that they would actually follow through with any of them so um, not, not physical bodily harm luckily otherwise that would have been a different conversation but um, yeah it that one definitely made me kind of go uh what hey what no yeah. that's not right <laughs> That was it. That was an interesting one, like you say, Katie, because that because I because you were sharing some of that with me, and like you got like there was a list of um, criticisms made of you, and like almost like a list of things supposedly you said or done wrong in a situation, and like you say, it's very easy. It would be very easy to go back, as you say, allow those emotions to arise in you. You get like really kind of like you say what the hell with that and then to go back and line by line just go back and respond to the, like, yes. the facts and the, the details that have been presented to you and actually when we were speaking to a friend one of our friends he kind of just took a step back and I suppose he wasn't as emotionally involved and he just said sounds like that person's having a terrible day and they've got enough time on their hands to be firing off all these emails just 
like go back tomorrow when they chill out and and, and you're probably going to get a different response and he was right it was the emotional that person was having an emotional reaction and just happened just to fire off a bunch of emails and actually when they calmed down they were like a different person weren't they well actually i never heard from them again oh no i saw that person afterwards yes so we don't get all crypto on the podcast but yeah 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 (laughs) like a different personality yeah so that's kind of i guess that's what you've just heard from me that's a kind of snapshot of my standard emotional response of the like kind of just bafflement bemusement but also kind of going uh what just happened have i did i do anything to like trigger that i don't think i did but yeah um yeah you just got caught you got caught in the crosshairs and i think that's it sometimes i think when sometimes we are in a challenging conversation or when someone has done something that's upset us or challenged our professionalism or rejected our ideas or not acknowledged our hard work i think that's quite natural though isn't it We, we get in quite an emotional reaction and because our emotions flare up we then start to behave in a way where well either we get a bit short with the other person we we go argumentative we we start attacking um or we start like avoiding that person and because of those emotions in us we start it changes our behavior and of course the problem with that is that the minute we start to get a bit shirty with someone or the minute we start backing off from somebody of course that other person is now dealing with someone who's being you know rc or sarcastic or short or short yeah short tempered or a bit a bit snippy with them or somebody's being a bit evasive with them and then they in turn are responding to that so now they get a bit short or they get a bit sarcastic or they get a bit snippy or they get a bit evasive and you just create this endless loop two people bouncing off emotional reactions and there's a a lady called Carrie, Carrie Patterson, she did a really good book called Crucial Conversations. And she said that when we find ourselves in these these really tough conversations or, or, or difficult situations, we tend to, our threat response is triggered. And we, t- we tend to react in one of two ways. She calls them silence or violence, which is basically kind of like fight or flight. So she says that the, the violence, the fight bits are quite straightforward. It's things like attacking. So accusing, attacking, um, labelling is another one where you start to call someone lazy or work shy or incompetent. Anything where you, you take a person's perhaps one-off behaviour or performance and then you turn it into a whole characterization. Uh, that'll be labelling or controlling is the other one where people start overstating the facts exaggerating so everybody knows that's rubbish even an idiot could see that wasn't a good way forward well everybody knows that was the worst you know worst performance we've seen and the other one she said was yeah that that the, that silence which is withdrawing so um backing away that stonewalling that katie and i were talking about earlier um avoiding like just completely staying out of the way or actually being in the conversation but dodging the subject and she talked about masking so things like sarcasm or deflecting things with humor or hinting at something as opposed to bringing it out right and the reason why i mention these is that sometimes i say like we get an emotional reaction from somebody you might not always get an like an outwardly emotional reaction but if the emotional response from the other person is making it and yourself is making something uh, really tricky to tackle in a conversation look out for these things because um, they're easy to miss you might not have someone who's visibly emotional 
But if you notice that somebody's avoiding the conversation or they're hinting or maybe they're laughing off stuff, but you know it keeps they keep bringing it back up or they've started to overstate their position or go really heavy with like a logical argument or something, you're thinking, whoa, they're really, you know, they're really going for it here. There's a sign there that you've kind of triggered a, a flight or fight response. And, that, and like Katie used that word there, it's a fear-based behavior. And so that put that's triggers a fear-based behavior in someone. And if you can get to the bottom of what that person feels threatened by or why they feel threatened, and you can address that, you've got a really good uh, chance of of dealing with the real issue behind the challenging conversation as opposed to, um, like you say, arguing about the facts on the figures. Yeah, um, I think empathy has such a big role to play. And I wish it was something that was taught in schools, like as a basic life skill. But I think, yeah, being able to recognise those emotions, because I guess like, like the first thing you have to do is identify what's going on and then you can maybe relate to them on, on, on that emotional level, like you say, rather than the facts and figures level. Um, and I just think, yeah, so many relationships would be improved, like work relationships would be improved if everybody had better empathy skills. And I'm not saying I've got brilliant ones necessarily. Like I, I'm kind of, I, I kind of almost go too much the other way and I pick up on stuff that isn't there. You know, I'm kind of, I overly worry about people's emotions and think, oh, are they, are they, are they, are they upset? Are they, you know, and, and then I'll kind of try and empathise with something that doesn't exist. So it's, it, but I think it can be a really helpful way of dealing with tough conversations. I think that's it. You just got to get beneath what is the real issue for someone. And, um, and I, th- I think it's very, like you say, it's really easy to react that start to stuff that isn't there. There's something called the ladder of inference and you can Google it if, if you want, but basically saying that when we're wrapped up in our own emotions, we got this path of advocacy. So what we do is we, we, we are very selective with our data. We pick up on something and then we add meaning to it. And then from our meaning, we sort of add some assumptions and then we draw conclusions and that affects the way we act. But actually when you empathize with someone and you put yourself in their shoes and start to pick back, well, is it true? Have I assumed? Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Work your way back, climb down your ladder. You very much get back to the facts and normally you can see it from much more a cooler perspective. Cause I was, I was getting, um, I, I thought I was going to have a difficult conversation with someone because I thought they had, um, you know, accepted my help, picked my brains, asked for my advice and kind of just, you know, but then once I'd sort of served my purpose, I felt they were all flitting around with other people and weren't sort of maintaining the relationship on an equitable basis, really. I thought, oh, fine, now I've, now I've helped you out. You're just, you've just disappeared. I thought we were supporting each other. And then, of course, you see people on social media, um, you know, having fun, seeing, hanging out with lots of people, doing lots of different events. And you think, oh, fine, you know, charming. And so then you start to you know be less generous to back off a little bit and then that actually that person sent me a text message they're asking me a question and they sent me a text that was accidentally meant for for i think their partner and it turned out that it revealed in the text message that that, that there was something really big going on in their lives and the reason why they hadn't been around so much was because they were going for a really tough personal time so very quickly i climbed bound up my ladder and i'd realized actually i had made some assumptions because i was feeling sorry for myself i'd assumed that there were being fickle or I'd assumed that was like some kind of rejection and actually once I realized that I started to be a bit more empathetic and going do you know what I was all ready to be I don't know to behave in a certain way towards that person and I'm going to have quite a tricky conversation with them whereas actually um 
I need to wind my neck in and actually it wasn't well it wasn't that at all so some so before we get into a conversation make sure you're dealing with the right thing I suppose yeah we do tell ourselves stories about what's actually going on rather than figuring out the what actually what actually happened um I did a, a course recently which was all about um all about kind of um kind of emotion it was called emotional fitness I think was the term that the guy used and um he's called Nick Wignall and he writes about habits and productivity but also about um emotional well-being and anxiety and all kinds of things um and I really liked his writing so I, I, I don't generally pay for online courses but um but I really like this one so I, I kind of went for that and a lot of the things that he talks about are very similar that we kind of put a perception on something and then, yeah, if you say like, you know, like your like ladder of inference, he has a, a similar thing of saying, okay, pause and let's look at what's actually happened here. You know, just, just the facts. And then, okay, what's an alternative explanation for what's going on? So, I mean, he, he gives the example of someone cuts you up as you're driving and you're like, oh my God, that person's so, so dangerous. I can't believe them. They want a jerk. That, that's his phrase. Um, he's American. And... But then he says, okay, what's an alternative explanation? Okay, maybe their wife's pregnant in the back of the car and they're desperately trying to get to hospital and things like that. So I think I think something like that, although it was designed for kind of personal relationships, I think that course primarily, actually I think can apply just as easily to work relationships. And one thing that I really liked that he said was all about validating your thoughts. So when you have that, worry or if you have that thought of oh I feel really hard done by by this conversation he says you know take that time to actually validate that emotion and say it's understandable that I would feel that way and most people would feel this way if someone had just said that to them however then you can start to say but maybe actually this isn't the case maybe it's not maybe they didn't mean it in that way maybe I'm reading more into it than I need to maybe it wasn't that everybody thought I did a terrible job maybe they were just tired and that's why I didn't have that engagement in the presentation when that person's telling me the feedback or whatever you just you just don't know um and so yeah I just thought that was really interesting approach to 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 kind of your thought processes and taking that time to pause and reflect um but also the validating of the thoughts yeah, definitely. I like you say, okay, it's okay to have an emotional reaction or to feel aggrieved if somebody has, you know, sort of questioned your work or questioned your professionalism or thrown a spanner in your works. It, it's quite natural to have it, and I think it, you can. You, we all have that reaction, and, and like you say, the key thing is to pause, but then choose your response before you go back. So that that emotional feeling that makes that conversation difficult, whether that emotion is awkwardness, embarrassment, injustice, anger you are, just acknowledge you are having an emotional reaction you might think you're being you might think you're right and everyone else is wrong and it's, you're being the most rational person in the world but just accept that you are probably in the midst of an emotional reaction and while it's valid it's probably not the best place to respond from um which is why i like to let off a bit of steam or ha- get my soapbox uh, and calm down a bit before i go back and but it like and again kate the empathy you were talking about there what other explanations are there and i think that empathy empathy is really key and just the act of asking what else could be going on here could make a huge difference and if you can try and empathize with the the client and now when I do I do I have an exercise I do with groups in workshops on this or with coaching clients and sometimes if a conversation is if there's been a lot of conflict and somebody um 
has had a really tough time the last thing they really want to do is empathize with somebody they're like no they're unreasonable i hate them i I just i can't do it but it is really useful to put yourself in that person's shoes imagine you're them imagine you've got their boss or imagine you've got their pressures so their clients the demands the stresses they have put on them imagine you've got their resources whatever's going on in that person's personal life think about how exposed that person is you know who are they going to look good or bad in front of and how big or or small could that be and like like I say put yourself in their shoes and and kind of see it from their point of view because I think when you ask that question Katie what what other explanations could there be quite often it's not about you and it's not about something that you've done even if it feels very personal and you've mentioned before um Katie people who buy in services of freelancers sometimes don't know what they're doing so they're under pressure from their boss to spend the money wisely or they're asked to to source in some work like web design and they haven't got a clue what they're buying and they've no idea how to do it um so what other what other explanation is there and quite often that person is having an emotional reaction so see if you can meet that a person's emotional need and see if you can make them feel better about that and you're much more likely once you've got that person's emotional response dealt with and they're feeling calmer and happier or you've managed to keep their their ego intact then you're going to get a much clearer run to talk about stuff objectively okay i'm thinking there about um people who feel under pressure for buying services in i'm just trying to think of other examples of reasons why clients might get sort of a bit demanding or a bit um bit testy or a bit unreasonable with freelancers because we've talked about loads in the past i know i think definitely influence of other people so there's always a well-meaning mate down the pub who who you know has 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 a cousin twice removed who works in advertising and therefore is is completely qualified to comment on the the work that you're doing um and so they'll they'll you know they'll kind of want to make sure that they're seen to be respecting that person that's given them the, especially if they've taken time to feed back on something um you know they'll want to respect that person by putting forward their feedback even if they don't necessarily 100% agree with it but you know if you've got a, a partner or somebody in your family who said oh actually could you know maybe you should ask about this then you want to respect that and, and, and actually ask about it um I think other other times is I think yeah yeah I mean pressures in terms of time and money if they've got an opportunity that they want to make sure they don't want to miss then they're probably doing loads of other stuff around it as well and they're probably really stressed about all the other stuff that's going on so say they've got an event coming up that they're running to promote themselves and they want say you know a website live or some graphic design done or some copy written for that point they've got a hundred other things going on and this is just one cog in a massive wheel of stuff that they're going to have to deal with so if there's anything which kind of falls out of you know falls falls the way they're not expecting or delays looks like it might delay something they're going to be panicking and it's understandable that they might be worrying about okay how's this going to affect me i've planned everything out now it's all going to go wrong oh what if and that kind of what if spiral then starts so i think that's that's one that's quite common um i think just i think just how they've how they've been accustomed to working is one of the things as well and it's again it's not like it's right or wrong but it's the culture that they're from so if they're in a job where they've got a very different work culture 
then I think that can have an effect on it as well. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, there's so many reasons why people could be having a bad day or struggling and that that could then affect how they have that conversation with you. And I think just the lack of clarity and, and misunderstandings can arise um, yeah. and cause that as well. It's, it's so true. There's, there's, a, there's a massive list. It, it, there's um, a chap called David Rock. He does a lot with neuro leadership and neuroscience. And I think I might have mentioned him before, but he said there's, he talks about five, five scarf factors, five th- things that are going to trigger a threat response and make, make a conversation, make someone uh, behave in a kind of that kind of fearful way. And he says uh, it's called scarf and basically it stands for status. So anything that affects a person's standing or reputation. So okay, like you said, if, so, if they've bought in a service and they're going to look bad to their boss or they're worried you're looking bad to their clients or their mates down the pub think they've been a bit of a mug and they've bought something that isn't worth the, the paper it's written written on that's going to affect their reputations that identity is is one their status the other one the the c stands for certainty so if you if so if you've got someone who really likes to dot their i's and cross their t's and they want to know that something's done by a certain date and they want really easy to follow milestones they they need a lot of certainty but if the reality of your work is that actually sometimes in projects things go wrong if you throw a spanner in the works all of a sudden you've taken away their certainty and that can really make someone panic if, if they need a great deal he talked about autonomy if you if anything that makes someone feel that they've had their choice taken away it, that their ability to make their own decisions is probably going to to tr- trigger people the r is for relationships anything that threatens relationships either between the two of you or between them and other people so if it's going to cause make waves with their their boss or make waves with their colleagues and the other one is fairness and, and, they, and this is the tricky one for us freelancers i think value is very hard to determine therefore fairness is is, is hard to de- determine so if someone feels they've been treated unfairly that's going to trigger them so you can imagine just those five broad topics there are 101 things that could happen under each one and uh, so it's really easy to trigger someone's threat response basically but any of those is going to get cause someone to have quite an emotional reaction and that's what you're going to be dealing with i think yeah definitely i think as well it was funny because you said about the choices being taken away. But I think another thing that can be quite triggering for clients is actually having to make decisions too. And so yeah. it's a kind of, it's a, it's a delicate balancing act between giving them choice, but not too much. Because actually, if there's something where they hadn't expected to have to kind of give it that brain power of making a decision, then that can be quite challenging for them. I think that's actually, that's probably one of the most common difficult conversations I have with clients is where... You know, I try my best to communicate that they will need to put input into the website. It's not just going to magically be created just because they want it to exist. Um, but you know, when I go to them and say, okay, great. So we've got this, we've got this option to do this or this. And I try and, you know, a lot of the time they're paying me to make decisions for them, but sometimes you need their feedback and you need their input. And then they'll go, and then they'll kind of be panicking because they're like, oh, I don't know what's the right thing. Oh, I don't know. And then that can sort of, you know, stop the project and because they withdraw because they're worrying about making the wrong decision and so they make no decision uh and so i think actually that choice thing goes both ways yeah it's it's overwhelming as well and that's gonna yeah. cause people a massive massive headache so so that's it i think that that's kind of um 
any of that you know it's going to make that's always when you get that backdrop that's always going to make a conversation tough and so i think that's it once you have identified that it's probably not about the stuff or the detail it's about the emotion that's the issue or it's about what you're saying about the person that's the issue then you've got to kind of identify what what is going on and like i say you can spot those either from people being evasive or withdrawing or whether they start attacking or going out on the front foot and if you start to spot those behaviors there's a chance you're dealing with an emotional response rather than a rational response so once you've established that see if you can work out what that other person is feeling and what it is that might make them feel threatened or make them look bad and once you've got to that the trick as i say is to speak to that and put them at ease with regards to that concern before you try and win the argument because until you've done it you're never going to win the argument um and so i'd say there's kind of three steps really i suppose is if you want to in terms of how to have the conversation i think there's three things to do the first thing i would probably say is just empathize with them and acknowledge their concern but really do it verbally so if you could say to uh, to someone look um I understand you're under a lot of pressure for your manager to get this done well and to get this done on time uh, and that you're under a lot of pressure to get it right. And so once you've said something that acknowledges what they have to say, then state your point of view. So I would probably say, however, I feel that, I don't know, going back to the drawing board at this point is going to make things worse rather than better and I really would like to get to do a good job for you or however, I you know, I don't have any more time available to work on this. And then the third step I'd say from there is once you've acknowledged what they want or need and you've acknowledged your position is to then either suggest a way forward or to ask a, ask a question. So, I, you know, if I'm dealing with someone and say, look, OK, look, I appreciate that you would like some more iterations of this work done because you're under a lot of pressure and it's really important you get the job done right. However, I have a limited amount of time available in which I can do it why you know what i propose is why don't we sit down and work out what we can do together in the time available that keeps us both happy something of that ilk. that's a very quick explanation but three steps what they what they want first then what you want and then make some kind of suggestion or ask a question about how you move forward but you have to acknowledge their emotions first if you don't get that fear addressed you're not going to get a foot in the door for the conversation which i think is the the tough one and I, th- I would maybe add to that even like a kind of pre-step to that is actually yeah. just making sure that you are on the same page and you are actually understanding what their concern actually is. Because sometimes yeah. what might appear to be their concern might not actually be what's really worrying them. Um, so I think to clarify first, to you know, so you can say, okay, um, just to make sure I'm understanding, you're worried, are, is, is, is it that you're worried about this? Yes. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. I completely understand why you'd be worried, worrying about that. It's really scary. Um, makes complete sense. However, da, 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 da. and I think that just that kind of extra clarification step, and also sometimes just reframing the the problem as well. So you can empathise without necessarily saying it back in their own words. You can reframe the problem in a different way, and say. So, so I had a conversation earlier today with my client and another freelancer that they're working with. So um, the, the, the three of us kind of generally pretty much share the same approach to stuff and uh, get on very well. But we also have very different ways of working and how we would ideally like things to be done. And so one person is very much of the let's take our time, let's do it thoroughly, let's get it right. Completely valid approach. 
The other person was more of the, we need to get this done now. It just needs to get done. And we haven't got time to do all of this other stuff. And I could completely see both of their perspectives. And I'm probably somewhere in the middle of the two of them. Um, And so a lot of it was trying to acknowledge that, yeah, they were both valid, but we still needed to have a solution at the end of the day rather than going round in circles. And I found that trying to kind of say, right, okay, client, I think this is what you're trying to say. Is that right? And, but saying it in a way that would be more relevant to the other person that we're working with as well. So if you're in a sort of tricky three-way dynamic, then I think reframing the problem and acknowledging the concern in a way that almost is kind of adding a bit of explanatory note to the other person. So I kind of almost was the role of translator. I've worked with this client for a long time and I also understand exactly where that where the other person was coming from and I, and I kind of agreed with them but needed to reframe what my client was saying in a way that made sense to their worldview and their way of working. And I feel like at the end of the call, we were kind of all in the same place and ready to go. So um, it was good, a uh, good, good example of dealing with tough conversations as well. Yeah, um, I think, and you're right, Kate, when I say uh, put yourself in the other person's shoes, yeah, definitely try and imagine how they feel. But yeah, exactly that. Um, a mindset of inquiry as opposed to making statements. So you're absolutely right. If if um, you are kind of a bit bewildered by someone's behaviour and you're not sure where the attack has come from or where the weirdness or the awkwardness has come from, it's quite tempting to go in and, and defend yourself uh, or to go out on the front foot. But actually just sometimes just asking questions and, and just inquiring about what's going on can actually show the person that you're really on board and that you care and that you understand or that you're trying to understand and even just that act in itself sometimes is enough to let someone know that you're you're on it and that you're yeah you're with them you're on their agenda basically and sometimes people are just nuts and there is no way of working out what the heck's going on with them but most of the time you can figure it out and it doesn't mean that you have to agree with them i think that's one of the things with empathy that people really struggle with is that they, you know, someone's worrying about something and you don't think there's anything to worry about. Like, I know I have this because, you know, I've been doing websites for a while. And so I I know that if there's a little niggle, it's not going to affect the launch date or anything like that. But empathy is not, even if you don't agree with that person's worry, is still putting yourself in those shoes, in, you know, thinking of a time when you were worried and how it felt to feel like that and applying that kind of, feeling memory to that situation so sometimes you might say oh I find it really hard to empathize with them because I just can't understand why they'd even be worried and so that's when you can actually kind of recall another memory of yours and apply that instead that's what I found to be quite helpful yeah it don't, yeah you're quite right you don't have to like, so you don't have to agree with the with the person at all but if you're seeing if you're hearing very emotive language or reading very emotive language or you're seeing that kind of very emotive behavior they are worried about something, whether you think it's rational or not. And like you say, Katie, empathising definitely doesn't mean uh, agreeing. It's just just letting the person know that you hear them. And I think that's that's sometimes half the battle. Yeah, and I think you can then stop the cycle before it gets out of hand. Because otherwise, if they're kind of if you're responding in a similar way to how they're acting, then you're kind of almost creating that behaviour back in them. You know, kind of if you're mirroring them, then then it mirrors back on you know 
you're, you're kind of responding in like that and then they'll respond to you in the same way and it just goes back and forth and back and forth whereas if yeah. you say no actually I'm not going to respond in the same way you can you can kind of interrupt the conversation before it gets really tricky yeah resistance can always be met with with resistance which makes it 10 times 10 times harder to to, to deal with um so there's yeah we're going to tips there about how to to deal with some of those tough conversations and what causes them i suppose and how we might approach the other person katie have you got uh some any other tips about how to go about that conversation maybe we talked about what caused it and how we might approach it any other tips that you have i mean we say this quite a lot on the podcast but try and have the conversation by phone or face to face or skype if at all possible if you if it's a relationship that you know you do want to salvage and everything then try and have it over that because there can be so many misunderstandings over email and text or whatsapp or anything like that even voice notes you're not having that immediate connection and it's not the same and so i think yeah if you're if you're if you need to have a tough conversation try and have it by phone or skype if you're worried about documenting aspects of it then you can always follow up with an email saying here's what we talked about just to confirm this is what we agreed or this is what we said but there will be times when you feel the need to kind of cover your back and do it by email so I do understand why you'd want to but I think if you can do it by phone and then follow up by email then that's really helpful that would probably be one of my tips um what about you Michelle? I think the big one is just don't hide from them. Uh, I know it's not always to bring things, uh, always, there are times when you don't, maybe don't want to bring things to the surface, but I would say that those tensions are probably there, even if you don't talk about them and both parties might pretend that there isn't a problem, but the problem is there whether we talk about it or not. And I, I, I always feel like these things will, they will always surface themselves sooner or later. So I always think it's better to, to raise the issue sooner and like you say you can do it in a way that involves inquiring rather than addressing it but at least start to try and raise the subject and and ask some questions early doors don't stick your head in the in 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 the sand um i'd also probably say just just choose your timing as well so i say i like to get my soapbox and have a little rant and let off a bit of steam first i never go back to someone in that kind of quite emotional state i like to take a deep breath and and um consider my response so if i know that i'm having quite an emotional reaction i'll I'll, the temptation is to go back and deal with it straight away and get it off the desk and oh my god i need to get this sorted but actually take a break if it's if it's for 10 minutes it could even be an hour you might even want to sleep on it so i'd say choose your timing and if you suspect that that person is um having a bit of a rough day then maybe maybe just leave it for a more appropriate time so try and catch someone at a good time so like first thing on a monday morning or a last thing on a friday is always terrible um if you know they go to pick their kids up at half past three not great i'd also choose your location so you said katie phone but also um again location digitally or physically so not in front of other people um and yeah just try and get them in them in a physical and mental state where you're going to have a productive conversation particularly if it is a bit tricky i think it's probably a good good thing and the other thing i would say is if you're instigating the conversation or you know it's going to happen even if it's your client instigating the conversation think about what you want to get from it think about what you want the outcome to be so i wouldn't say to necessarily script the whole conversation it needs to flow fairly naturally and i i don't but you know i don't think you should be 
writing out everything you're going to say and then just kind of rigidly sticking to it. But thinking about what a good outcome would be and maybe making a couple of bullet points of the things you want to make sure you want to get across is absolutely fine and I think can help you make sure that you're it can ground you a little bit if you are prone to be you know kind of reacting emotionally even write a little note to yourself at the top of your notes to remind yourself to stay focused and not to take it personally and yeah just have a few points that you want to get across so that you can make sure that you've kind of put your perspective over to the person that you're having the tough conversation with yeah and you could and, and normally we prepare for what happens if it all goes wrong and i think that is right so what you don't know, know what your exit strategy is if you like uh, or know what the what the fallback is as, as freelancers sometimes a relationship really breaks down we can walk away so we shouldn't feel pushed into anything that we don't want to do or that we're not comfortable with um but also prepare for what happens if it goes right so i've psyched myself up for some tough negotiations on valuing a piece of work i need to find the person that basically says yeah how much do you want name your price and it's like right i was all psyched <laughs> up for a for a hardball negotiation it was like oh no that was just i wasn't actually ready <laughs> for, uh, for, for like i was really it knocked off my stride for like uh, the good outcome so like you say katie know know the ideal and everything in between but yeah like you say don't over prepare either you can overthink it i'd probably go with them about 80 percent ready when i think i've got 80 percent of my the old 80 20 rule i think i'm 80 percent ready i've got all the facts that i need and i'm and i'm about 80 percent confident i'll probably go for it i think it's okay to do it a little bit before you feel totally ready because if you wait till you feel totally ready you'll probably use it as an excuse to back off yeah that's true i think the other thing is actually that you talked about the kind of worst case outcome and stuff i think you know be be willing to step away from that relationship or even the conversation if it comes to that you know if it is getting too heated and you've tried all of the other techniques then that you know at some point you need to stop it before people start saying things that they're going to regret and so if you need to then say actually like you know let's chat about this tomorrow you know definitely don't do the when you've calmed down or anything approach yeah, yeah. don't make it a judgment you know even if you have to say actually you know i need to go now and i really want us to be able to kind of get to a place where we're both happy with this can we pick this up again tomorrow or anything so you don't even have to acknowledge the tension they're going to be aware of it um but actually you know try and kind of step away if needed and if you need to step away from the relationship if the, you know if it's a conversation about whether you continue a working relationship do be willing to step away from it if if it gets to that point and if they're clearly not valuing you and if if you've tried everything and they aren't listening I think it's okay to say actually this isn't for me I don't know what do you think about that Michelle yeah yeah they said there's two two factors in this isn't it it's, it's the how important is the relationship and how important is the outcome um and if um the outcome and the relationship are important and normally they are in what we do then you're going to have to compromise or collaborate or inquire and work both ways but if if the relationship isn't important or you could do without it or if it doesn't affect, it doesn't help the outcome at all you're not going to get a good outcome and you're not going to have a great relationship then actually it's okay to walk away yeah some things are just not worth uh battling on and do you know what sometimes it's like that some relationships work out and sometimes they sometimes they don't so that is always a possibility but i would i think that most things can be recovered if you really want to so i definitely try and i think the other thing that i was thinking when you were talking about the timing and location earlier 
was yeah if you're instigating it then you can you know ask them when the best time is for them but also protect yourself so if you know that you're in a vulnerable place or if you're you know don't hide from the conversation but if you're in the middle of something you know if you've got kids and you're just taking them to school you're in the middle of taking them to school and you're juggling a hundred million things and you know you've got to have an awkward call with the client and they call you at that point that's not going to be as good a conversation for you so it's okay for you to also protect yourself and set the location and time that works for you so you know don't feel like oh if, if I don't answer the phone right away at this point I'm hiding make sure you're in a good place as well as them yeah yeah it's tempting to take that crucial call on the train but if there's a chance you're going to be cut off they're like yes. yeah just don't, <laughs> don't do it. even if yeah, you exactly. are in the vestibule area um still I'd probably still give it a miss so yeah definitely yeah fab so I think that's probably most of the the tips that we we kind of had collected in advance for dealing with tough conversations Michelle did you have anything else I think that was that was probably it Katie there's quite a bit there but I think they're the key things exactly so as usual we'd love to hear what your top tips are and you know without sharing the kind of intimate details of the tough conversations how yeah how do you deal with them what what are the tips and tricks that you use to deal with tough conversations and obviously at the end of each podcast michelle and i uh will share our kind of one takeaway that if we could just do one thing to tackle this problem what would it be Uh, so michelle what would yours be mine is definitely try and understand what's going on with the other person what emotional response and see if you can see if you can address that issue and get beneath that it feels really good for your ego to say that you took gave someone what for and say that you've won but um and that does feel nice to 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 feel like you're right but i think um the long-term benefit comes from from yeah finding out what's going on with the other person i think what about you katie i think for me it's the just pause like if I just had one word to do with this, it would be pause. Like take a break before you let your emotional responses dictate the flow of the conversation. Take a step back. You know, you don't you don't have to like, ha- you know, have a long period of silence, but silence can actually be really effective. Um, so pause, take a step back, think about, okay, what story might I, might I be telling here and what could the reality be? And I think that would be my one, my one tip for uh, dealing with tough conversations. Super. Um, So as usual, we would love you to get in touch with us and give us any suggestions for future episodes as well as give us feedback about what we're doing. As I say, we're we're over the halfway mark now. So only 49 more to go until we get to 99. So if there's any problems you'd like us to tackle, let us know. We're on Twitter at 99problemscast. That's the number 99 problems and then cast as in podcast so we'd love to hear from you and of course if you want to make sure that you get all the episodes as soon as they're released subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll see you soon for another episode of 99 problems but a boss ain't one